0: I'm Jack Reddin, and welcome to the Descent World Podcast.
1: You're listening to the Descent World
0: Podcast. I've got to say, it's nice to have you back. Stable through the bumps, stable through the air. It's just growing like quick. It's hard to keep dropping at the moment. Four fish fingers. Some potato wedges and some mushy peas. Two products discs in my back and uh, it's gonna me some pins and needles in my legs. and have got separate shoulders. The new guy called Jason Jessup's is in there. Jason Jessups' name is? In veteran class, he's pretty fast. In downfield, you can work to the minute by everything we can plan pretty much to the minute, but we can't do that now because we don't have the schedule, it?
1: You ever take it off any sweet jumps? You're listening to the Descent World Podcast. Here's Johnny! Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Descent World Podcast, Episode 7. My name is John Beckett. On tonight's show, we have a phenomenal rider, team manager, and all-round good guy. The first time I saw this guy ride was uh, towards the end of the uh, last decade, and he sprayed me with mud in many's a corner. It's none other than Jack Redding. Jack runs the One Vision downhill team and has some great riders lined up for 2017. After some fantastic results in 2016, he's on a bit of a roll. An optician by day, team manager by night, and all-around good guy. Introducing Jack Redding. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 7 of the Descent World podcast. Joining me tonight is Jack Redding. Hi Jack, how are you?
0: I'm good John, how are you?
1: Um, I'm superb, Uh, glad you could could, uh, join us tonight and hopefully we'll we'll chew the fat for a wee while. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, let's just, let's just go back to some folk might not know who you are. You're listening to this. So if you could give us a quick introduction and then
0: we'll take it from there. Yeah. I mean, uh, my name is Jack Redding. Um, been racing downhill for about 10 years now. Um, it started out as just a bit of a hobby, uh, alongside studies. Um, and then one thing led to another really over the years I've raced as a privateer, I've had a year on a, on a UCI team. And, and now I, uh, I run one vision global racing with my old man. And, uh, Travel the world, race my bike. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> that's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty quick summary. I mean,
1: obviously, yeah. you talk about racing as a privateer. Did, did you start out in downhill straight away?
0: Um, no, I mean, I, I raced cross. Uh, sorry, I rode cross country for years, and that was kind of just an aside, really, to playing football for my sins. Um, <laughs> half the mountain bike communities just raise their eyebrows. <laughs> um, but yeah, I played football competitively until I was about eighteen, um, on and off with Huddersfield Town. Um and and bikes was just kind of like something I did with my old man really, just just on the weekends and things like that. And I actually met um Tom Braithwaite. I'm sure most people have heard of Tom. Yeah. I know Tom. Uh, and uh Tom Tom's Tom grew up like two minutes from where I'm sitting now mm-hmm. and uh went on a on a ride with him and was just blown away by how fast he was. <laughs> um that was in like probably 2006, so I got chatting with him, and he pointed me in the direction of some races, and uh, and that's when the biking kind of started to to take precedence really over the football. Um, in 2006, did a few races, and like most people who try down, I was I was just hooked. That was it then.
1: Fantastic. So, so when you said you played for Huddersfield Town, was that like almost semi-professional? Was it?
0: Um, maybe. I mean, I was a bit. I was a bit young to probably call it that back then. I was. It was just one of the many footballers in the youth leagues. Um, mm. I, I, I was. I could hold my own, I guess, but I just lost the love for it. Really, team sports, and I just preferred riding my bike at the end of the day.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, when you when you see the flip side of it, with the, the sort of the amount of money that guys are making of professional football these days, it's you. You'd sometimes find people would actually go the opposite way. You know, uh, you know, they ride their bike for fun, but the football took over because it was it was making the money. But you've obviously jumped the opposite way. And, yeah, uh, I
0: mean, I'd love to say I had a choice in the matter, but, but I I think football kind of grew away from me at the same time. I always quite liked to grow, so I was one of the shorter players on the pitch, and in English football, that just does not work. So, I mean, to be honest, even if I'd had the choice, I I don't think I would have uh, I don't think I would have been able to stay in football much longer anyway. Um, but, but where I am now to be honest I, I love this sport and for, for no money in the world would I would I go and uh, go and play football and not be able to ride a mountain bike it yeah. just, just wouldn't happen, <laughs> life's too short
1: <laughs> and one of my good friends is a big Huddersfield Town fan so I'll maybe see if he's uh, oh, got, there you go. <laughs> got, got you in some old program somewhere <laughs> take out oh, some old photographs for you but, uh, no, I've, I've got family in Halifax so I kind of know the area there pretty well go. but, but yeah. uh, no, that's all good So you obviously jumped across Tom Braithwaite. I mean, I used to race with his dad, Paul, quite a lot of the fantastic family. Absolutely. uh, Yeah, exactly. And uh, the things that you obviously you get into, were you racing on a hardtail then or did did you jump straight onto a downhill bike?
0: No, like back then, all, all the lads around here, um, they were all absolute pinners. They still are, to be fair, to a yeah. big shout out to those boys. Um, they were all in the, at the time in their like probably late thirties and the trend back then before, before trail bikes were what they are now with the mm. s- slack head angles and the good forks, they were all on like Yeti ASXs and things like that with boxes on the front. And <laughs> I just jumped on that bandwagon and. I can't remember even remember what I rode in two thousand and six, but it was certainly full suspension. Um, yeah. And that was when the kind of the Ellsworth thing started off. One of the lads rode one, an Ellsworth Rogue It boxes on the front of it, and uh, I, I just thought he, he raved about how good it was. And I knew very little back then, so I took his advice, got one of those. And then when I started doing the downhill, off the back of chatting with Tom. Me and the old man got me a specialised bigot sorted, <laughs> and uh, I did a few few races in two thousand and six on that, and then it kind of dawned on, dawned on me that I was actually quicker on the Ellsworth because it was so much lighter; it had the same amount of travel. Mm-hmm. So in two thousand and seven, I I got rid of the bigot and I, I raced the Ellsworth, um, and uh, that was how that relationship started. And then I stayed with them until like two thousand start two thousand and twelve, I think. Five years it was. Yeah, I
1: mean, that, 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 that's I mean, I've got memories of you at Clan Roosted me in the corner, it covered me in dirt, <laughs> dirt one time. I think I got, so got a good picture of it. I'll maybe upload it to the to the website. Uh, back in your nail Kit days,
0: the, the, Yeah, <laughs> the, 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 the,
1: the, it, was, it wasn't. I think it was the blue one. Ah, oh, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, it's one of the last corners that Cling off when I got your leg off. Big dust hitting me in the face, kind of thing. Nice. But uh, you know, the, those bikes were quite unusual at times, the, the big swing arm at the back and things like that. But yeah. I've I've noticed that uh, you've moved on since then, and and obviously. You're you're working with uh, some geometry and stuff, obviously with uh, the Mojo guys. But we'll maybe talk about that in a short while. Yeah. But uh, you had a year out in Whistler as well, I believe. Uh,
0: was that was that good fun times? Was it? Oh, the best! Yeah, that was. Uh, I'd been there a couple of times on holiday with the family, and ever since going there the first time when I was, uh, however, old twelve, thirteen, I can't remember. We, I kind of had it planned in that after college, I'd, I'd take a gap year before going off to uni and, and go skiing there the old yeah. cliche, um, and uh, went there in 2007. But by that time, the racing had started, and it became more about going there for the biking then. So I had, I had a great time in the winter. I worked and skied, and then when the summer came around, 2008, I just, I just rode and rode and rode. My only ambition was to get faster. Um, I, don't, I can't even remember. I don't really think I was ever thinking I'd be able to go and race World Cups, but I'd come fourth in senior the year before. Mm-hmm. I was hooked on racing and I just wanted to get better and I just rode and rode and I come home at the end of 2008 and went to a national put in Leithan and I was an expert then mm. and I uh, I crashed in quality and qualified first and I was fourth elite and I was it was just like what is happening here like it was it was just really surreal to to get so much faster in a season and that was that was simply just what whistlers like you just ride and ride and ride and yeah it certainly uh, shaped my career really
1: yeah, unfortunately when I went to Western I didn't quite get as fast as that. <laughs> but
0: uh <laughs> yeah. but I
1: it's, mean it's a good it definitely is a good grinding for you coming back to the UK because if you, you can jump on something like that and get the results, you, the confidence is gonna build with that, obviously. But I believe that was that the year that you, you uh won did you win elite or uh, expert overall that year?
0: Won expert that year, yeah, two thousand yeah. uh 2009, cause I come back end of two thousand and eight, did a couple of expert races and then stayed an expert for two thousand and nine then. And uh, and won that category. So then, uh,
1: from then, it's straight into elite and and world yeah. cups.
0: Yeah, I, I I just by chance, I didn't even plan on getting UCI points. We were back in in Canada on on holiday in the summer, mm-hmm. and we went over to Sun peaks to do a Canadian like national race that we'd done the that I'd done the year before and crashed. Yeah, and uh, I, I won. Like it was completely unexpected. I remember Curtis Keane was second, and uh, Tyler Tyler no. Tyler Morland? Tyler Morland. I was trying to call him Tyler McCall. Yeah. Tyler Morland was the two guys who I've, I'd looked up to for like the two years before while I was living in Whistler. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I managed to beat him. It was completely unexpected. And then my old man looked at me and he went, you've just got 30 UCI points. You can go to World Cups next year. And it was like, wow. Like it was, wasn't was planned. Like, yeah. So that was it then. Just uh, started started going going to race the big boys. It, it sounds like a pretty awesome. you think about it, like what, three, four years, you, you know, it sounds. It sounds
1: like you're just somebody that grabbed it, that built by the horns, and got on with it, and, and you know, enabling yourself to get to the World Cup. So then, that that space of time just shows that you had a bit of talent there. So, with regard yeah. with regard to that, did, were you training specifically or anything like that, or were you just riding?
0: No, back back then, mate, it was just riding. Like, yeah. You summarised me perfectly there. I just, that's what I do. If I want to do something, I just grab it by the horns and just go after it. And I guess that's what I must have done. I I'd done a season of racing. Absolutely loved it. So I just rode all the time. Didn't I started working with a coach who I still work with now, um, a guy called Nick Jones, uh, mm-hmm. DNA Sports Performance. Big shout out to him. I've been working with him since two thousand yeah. um, and eight. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, back then I I dabbled in the gym, but not much back then. And I I just rode my bike. Um, and uh, yeah, just that, that was working at the time. Really.
1: Okay. So what is you There, what twenty twenty one was it?
0: <laughs> you got me thinking now. Um, <laughs> started uni when i was 19 so so yeah kind of 20 21 turning when i was did my first world cup maribor 2010. oh what a track yeah wow
1: so fantastic it's such yeah. a shame we can't
0: go back there anymore yeah it's just
1: want to say I, I got married out in that neck of the woods actually no and, way uh, yeah i got married in lake bled so it was uh it's uh it's one of the places that i've always wanted to go and ride but uh, i've never had the chance yeah, oh, uh, no, a tease. Yeah, <laughs> we're promising to take the kids back out there, so I'll take my bike with me one time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so so, so there. So then you're racing World Cups, and the results seem to. I mean, I've had a look at your your palmar, so to speak. You've got some pretty good qualifying results and overall results in, in the World Cups. So is is that sort of the where
0: the where the springboard come to you joining one of the UCI teams? Yeah, I mean. 2010 11 and 12 i was juggling my optometry degree with with the racing um and i kind of had a few flash in the pan good qualifiers and and back then i remember qualifying 12th at Valdésol. i can't even remember what year that was it was yeah. either 11 or 12 i think it i think it was 11 yeah. and it just came out of nowhere like and i didn't know what to think of it didn't know anything and i it didn't make any sense. Um, and all, all looking back now, what had happened was I'd, just, I'd ridden out my skin and I managed to stay on. Mm. Um, so, so, back then, it was very much just learning the ropes. I was so far behind everybody else. If you imagine, I started racing when I was 18, whereas, you know, lads like Simo, Joe Smith, all those boys, like they've been racing push bikes since they were 12, if not younger. Yeah. So, I, I just had so much catching up to do in terms of understanding the sport and how to race. And the, the first privateer years were quite hard, I was on my own didn't have any like experienced teammates or or mates to ride with. So, so yeah, it was literally just a case of sussing it out and, and, and getting the kind of foundation to, to start racing well. And in 2013, when I finished my degree, I just, just did, did a bit more training over the winter because I was working then as a locum. So I managed to have a bit more winter time. Um, And, and I managed to have a few good results in that 2013 season. So that was when I got my first opportunity to ride on a UCI team in 2014. Um,
1: so that was with that was with SC Intense.
0: Yeah, yes. yeah. Big shout out to those boys. They they gave me a really good opportunity. Um, they gave me some great support, and and uh, unfortunately, I hurt myself at the start of the season. It was looking looking like it was going to be a good year. I was I got a couple of good re- results out in Portugal on the pre-season stuff, and then I hurt myself in Africa and damaged my rotator cuff in my right shoulder and. That was kind of the end of it, really. If anybody's done their rotator cuff, they know that it just takes months to have confidence in it. As soon as you knock it, it's gone again. And yeah. uh, the whole season really was just a bit of a rescue mission. So, so I didn't really perform as I should have done that year. Um, but th- those guys gave me a great, great opportunity. I, yeah, they I think were I think they had one of the biggest setups in the pits at the time as well. Isn't that right? Um, I was the year where they went from a massive setup to a smaller one. All oh, right, okay. And then <laughs> over the last two years, they had a big one again. But to be honest, that didn't make any any odds. They they still provided us with good support. There, yeah. mechanic Gavin was was awesome, and uh, is yeah, that, is that Gavin Black? Yeah. Yeah, Gavin Black, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. If 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 our team could afford him, I tell you, he'd be, he'd be in our pits. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's, he's busy uh, busy
1: in Switzerland at the moment, isn't he? I
0: think so, yeah. yeah if yeah. we could nick him, we would. <laughs> yeah,
1: I work, I work with his dad, Alan, on the time ah, okay. at the SDA okay. races, so I help Alan out occasionally. Alan's, uh, yeah. Alan's the, uh, the tag cure expert at the SDA, so uh, uh, yeah, of he, course. He, he wires it all up and uh, I sort of jump in, press a few keys now and again, <laughs> give him a hand. But uh, yeah. I look forward to that this year. So, so obviously you're you're coming off that, that injury. Did uh, when did you feel strong enough again to get back on
0: back on the horse, so to speak? I, th- I think that I think the next time I really started pushing was the the start of the 2015 season. Like my physio, local guy called Nick Jones, he he looked after me here, and he just basically said to me, like he said, Jack, you've got to stop falling on it. You have got to give it a solid few months for all those muscles to strengthen and get back to. Because that was the problem. I felt fine, so I kept riding. And then I'd have a fall and tweak it again, and then back to square one, yeah, so I took the winter, took it steady, and then the reason warm vision came about was i had I had the year with s c and because of the injury i I realized that I wasn't going to get the results i I was capable of, and it was only a one year contract, and in the middle of the summer, we thought, oh hang on a minute like if if years keep going like this, there's never any security with the with, you know with the, getting a ride or any longevity in it, and me me and my old man in a chat and because I'd raced since two thousand and seven, I had long term relationships with companies like Mojo, Neil, Um we, we, we looked at each other and said, "We can do this. We can, we can run a team." Like, and then and then there's a bit of future in it. You know, it's not going to go anywhere with the with a click of a finger. So, so for this for twenty fifteen, I I spoke to to Trek UK because I'd ridden their bikes in two thousand and twelve and thirteen. Um, you know, I tried to get them excited. They jumped on board and helped me set up. Um, and, and that was it then. I pulled Pete Williams in. Big shout out to Pete. Um, I've known Pete for years. We, we raced each other back in 2007. He, he won the senior category when I came yeah. full. Pulled him in. He was keen. Uh, a young lad called Jamie, who I've been coaching since since he was about 14 or 15. That was it. We're off. So, but so, that's,
1: so obviously one vision is the team name. is that, does that have anything to do with your sort of your other occupation of being an optician?
0: Yeah, basically, we were trying to decide what to call it. We had all these all these names going around, and none of them really clicked. And I can't remember who came up with One Vision Global Racing. I I think it was me, but it, it may not have been. It was <laughs> it was someone either my dad or Sarah or some somebody yeah. came up
1: with it. But yeah, yeah so, so so obviously you've pulled those sponsors in. And right? I say say if Joe Bloggs wanted to go and start a team these days, I mean, have you any advice for anybody like that? Obviously pulling contacts and, and yeah, of- I mean
0: it, it's hard. I think. A lot of people don't don't know how much goes into it. I mean, if I hadn't had all the years as a privateer building up these relationships with these companies, mm. it, it would not be possible. I mean, the only reason that we've got such a good relationship with Nikolai after such a short time period is because of Chris Porter. Yeah. Because Mojo have sponsored me for years and they know me and they know how much I used to put back. And by that, I mean, when I was a privateer, we used to run our own website. There'd be race reports, there'd be... Always putting posts, promoting the stuff, always giving the sponsors feedback, saying thanks. Like I think a lot of riders think that if you're racing, you can send a CV out to people and go, oh, "I'm doing these races. Can you give me some free stuff?" That, that's not how it works. Like especially in the UK, for Square Meter, there are so many riders and races and we're all fighting over such a tiny amount of product that's available in terms of sponsorship. So you, my advice would be just just give back as much as you can. If somebody is nice enough to give you a, even a trade deal on a bike, like you need to shout about them all season, say how amazing they are, say how they're helping you go in racing. Because if, 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 if you make it look like you're giving back as much as you can to that company, other companies might go up. That guy looks like he's a good person to sponsor. He, he promotes the brands. Um, so yeah that's the biggest bit of advice I'd give to anybody who wanted to do their own thing
1: Yeah, that's, well, give well, back. Yeah, that's I t- totally agree with you there I mean, on the flip side of that as well you've got the obviously the last sort of oh, I suppose the last 10 years the social media aspects come into it a lot more and I think a lot more companies now are looking at the social media presence of some people rather than the actual results of people and a lot of people are putting a lot more focus onto that, have you got an opinion on that at all or do you think that's right or do you think it's you know
0: yeah, I mean, it's certainly it's, true. It's, it's
1: controversial. I mean, I know some people are, are upset because, you know, Joe Bloggs has got 87,000 followers on Facebook or whatever or Instagram. However, he's never won a race in 10 years. Mm. But Joe Bloggs that's winning every race. He's, he doesn't really bother much with social, isn't getting any help, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough one. I mean, you've got the one side of social media where you've got – I'm not going to name anybody, but you've <laughs> got the one side that that takes things – and, and just go crazy with it, and they try and put out wild videos, and yeah. they they just try and be like so. The word is loose that they all use in it, yeah. and and that's what they go for, and that gets the views, it gets the followings. But my question is is does that always give off a good vibe about the companies that are associated with it? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who am I to say? And then there's the other side of social media, which is what the the line that I that One Vision tries to do call is boring but we, we, we try and go for the professional side of things we all want to be racers we all want to be athletes um we all want to push as hard as we can and be be the best we can yeah. and we what i try and do is put a package together for myself and the riders where we're using awesome equipment and that's just what, what we try and use social media for like you know occasionally we'll have a laugh and we'll put a stupid video out but you know it's one of them social media is so important but you as you say there's two sides of it and yeah, who knows how it works? He's yeah, keeping, world's gone I mean,
1: mad. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it, I think it steals the focus, but that, that's just my opinion. I'm just an old, an old punter, you know what I mean? <laughs> but the, uh, you know, when you, when you when you go back to the feedback that you give to companies and stuff, you mentioned Chris Porter there. I mean, I've known Chris Porter for years. I mean, he, even from when he, they used to cut the course at the Cheddar Challenge, but that's another story. <laughs> but uh, you, you could ask him about that one. Uh, I will. <laughs> definitely but, will. Uh, You know, on his green Kawasaki, sticking up intense. <laughs> <But>, uh, <laughs> You know, Chris is, is one of these guys that I, you know, if, if I've got a question about suspension or bike setup, I'll go to him because he'll give me the the tangential thing to what anybody, everybody else is thinking. You know, he, he yeah. talks about sticking different size wheels on my bike, shortening the shock so I can get, I can get yeah. my old bike riding really silly, but I might do it, even do it this year. But uh, when Chris approaches you and says, right, we've got a bike and it's got a 61-degree a head angle or, or even in the 50s, yeah. you know, Did you at first, were you a bit apprehensive or did you say, right, give me a go and I'll see what it's like?
0: Well, first thing to say is everybody has a different view of Chris Porter. And since the day of meeting him, I've just been like, this guy's awesome. Like you've, you've just got to sit back and take him for what he is. Like he's great fun. He tests all the time. All he's interested about is what's fast. That's all he cares about. Um, Some of the stuff he suggests doesn't work a lot of the stuff he suggests does and you've 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 just got to try what what he throws at you that's that's all he asks for you can tell him you don't like it if you want um <laughs> but as long as you're willing to go yeah I'll give that a try then Chris is on board and I mean it all came about we were with Trek as far as I understood it they were going to up their support we'd had a good year we'd worked hard for them we were going to be continuing with Trek for next year uh, well for t- 2016. And then all of a sudden, kind of September time, I started hearing these vibes about the Atherton's. Trek went a bit quiet on me. And I saw it coming straight away. I was like, we're we're done. They're going to eat the budget. Um, So... I'd already met Chris, we'd done a bit of testing, he'd told me my large trek was far too small for me, he told me it was too mm-hmm. steep, all, all the usual stuff. Um, but but this time it was somebody who told me it, but then actually explained it, got me to test something else, proved it was faster on the clock, and then mm-hmm. it actually made sense. Whereas other people just go, oh, this is that, this is the other, and there's no evidence behind it. So I'd met him, we'd done that, so it's funny, me, me, and, me and Will, my best mate was on the team, we'd, we'd seen these geometrons kicking around throughout 2015, yeah. and we'd if I I'm going to be perfectly honest, when we first saw him, we were like, "No, nah, what's that?" and we'd have a bit of a giggle about it. And then I I had a chat with Chris. He explained it, and I rode one, and I was my opinion was just completely changed like i'd just drawn my opinions off what something looked like mm-hmm. and because it was a raw frame that i'd looked at aluminium it looked different to all these fancy carbon things that are coming out of here there and everywhere i'd drawn these opinions and they were completely uneducated and after riding one for the first time i said because because all that existed then was the six inch travel trail bike so i said to chris i was like have you ever thought about fast fastest thing would be on a downhill track and he was like uh, yeah and and one thing led to another and then I took so I took one to Malaga tested it directly against the downhill bike um, then we made the rear travel longer um, and then we spoke to Mo, spoke to Nikolai about whether they'd be interested in making a downhill version because up until that point it was just me and Chris having to play around Yeah. Um, so then we we went to Nikolai with the numbers I had loads of data for them that we'd done all this testing I had times and split times GoPros for them to watch the downhill bike against their bike and they were just really pleased with like what we had for them, even though they at that time they didn't really know even who we were. Um, so, so they agreed. So I then spent the winter of 2015-16 working with Chris, working with Nikolai to get this downhill bike ready for kind of prototyping and racing throughout this year. And the initial plan was they'd produce a prototype in February um, that we'd have a go with, and then and then change. Um, and from us sending the the design that we wanted, um, from my testing, and then Chris and Marcel and Nikolai doing the, the maths and and whatnot behind it. It only took them four weeks from from looking at drawings to to yeah, I don't know to making and shipping to the UK from Germany four completely custom downhill bikes I'd, it was like a, a surreal experience i've just been used to the bike industry always being late and all of a sudden they're, they're two weeks early and it was just like what are we dealing with here? and
1: G- german <laughs> efficiency there you know that's yeah exactly
0: right. like, that's phew, that's, it,
1: that's a that's a first-hand experience i mean i mean the, the, the experience that the Nikolai stuff i had was sort of the, the early stuff that came out sort of what early 2000s i, I was over yeah. germany for a few events mostly in the salt mines with red bull but uh it was uh, El- Elmer Kanicki at the time, who works for SRAM. Yeah, he was basically—I think it was Nikolai Rep at the time—and he had a few bikes there, and that was the kind of first time I'd really seen them firsthand. And all I remember is them being like really industrial and yeah. gear gearboxes and things like that. And then when I heard Chris was getting involved with them a few years ago, I thought, you know, here we go. I know exactly why because he'll say build it like this, and they'll they'll do it. That's exactly what they're like, if, and uh, that's that's yeah. what Chris that's what Chris wants. I mean, Chris, you know, he's worked with like a Califer and you, you, the list of people's fun, fantastic what these were done, but uh, my experience with Chris is, I mean, I've known him as a racer, I've known him as a, as a pal, as a as a suspension guru. I mean, he did some stuff for me late nineties for for my old Turner Afterburner. I don't know if you remember those. They're, they're yeah, bit of an old old bike, but uh, he basically revalved the shock and just said to me like we're going to set up like a moto gp bike and i could kind of, i was kind of like sorry yeah, <laughs> and his, his thought was you know we don't put the parts in the back wheel like a motocross bike it's more like a, a moto gp bike and ever since then I, I just listened to chris but i would love to get get my hands on a, a one of these new Nikolai's just to see how good they are actually with the slack head angles and the, and the length because i'm a small rider so I, the first thing i do when i buy a bike is click s yeah. You know, by small, I'm only five foot three. You know, Ah, so. fair, fair shout! <laughs> so, you know, I'm a small guy, but I, I like something tight that I could get through the trees. But I, I need to get on something big like that. But I probably need to take it to the Alps before I can even get it up to any kind of speed that you guys get it up to over here. So, uh, <laughs> it's, uh it's definitely, I, I kind of my ears prick up when I hear what Chris is up to sometimes. And
0: uh, him and Tim have got the 29er now, is that right? Yeah, they've got. Basically they, we turned the Geometron range in well, we turned the Geometron into a range. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the the conception now is that the Geometron died and, and something else came of it. And that's not really true. Mm-hmm. The Geometron was was the first kind of idea. And the, the G sixteen, which is the six inch travel bike, is still pretty much identical to, to what Chris what Chris's first idea was. Mm-hmm. And then from that idea, you've got the G nineteen, which is the downhill bike that mm-hmm. we worked on. There's the G13, which is the 29er version. And then there's also now a, a hardtail with six inches of front travel and uh, 63 <laughs> degree head angle. So, yeah. so yeah, there's a full range there now. I mean, I just, as you, as you just said before, like the, the list of people Chris has worked with, including you know, Fabian Morel. It's yeah. just, we're so lucky. The whole team just we we just think we're so lucky to have him on board and have him excited and working with us. Because because as I say, some of the ideas he gives us are just amazing, and, and they make the difference on the clock. So
1: yeah. so yeah, I think when I spoke to Chris last year, he was talking to me about a twenty-seven and a half inch front wheel and twenty-six inch back wheel, but. Uh, that's uh, going back to big hit days. Isn't it? Well, things that things that
0: things that things have escalated from there, and he's uh, he's playing with all kinds of things with wheel size and other yeah. bits and bobs, and yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's exciting to be a part of it. And the
1: thing is, he's got the evidence because it's. I mean, he's got obviously Kim Carn and uh, bike Park Wheels on his doorstep now, so he he can nip out and just repeat test repeatedly and and get those figures
0: and and get, yeah. get the times down. Yeah, I so, don't think I ever see him without a stop clock on his bike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be it that or or he's off doing some far flung enduro in the Dakar somewhere, you know? Yeah. But fair uh, no, that's all good. So what what involvement have you got for 17 with regard to getting bikes set up? Is, are you keeping things more or less the same or is there a few tweaks that you're doing?
0: Well, we throughout the year we, we got those first prototypes in 2016 and we we rode them and we started racing them and we were like we kind of sat down, looked at each other, and said, "What are we going to change?" Like, we we couldn't really think of anything. Um, thanks to Chris and Nikolai and the work, the testing we did, they, they were bob on, so we raced them all year. And then the the production ones now they are slightly different from from the ones we raced last year. A um, couple of little tweaks, but nothing like major. It's just kind of tidying up head tube length and there's fork bumpers on the frame and mm. things like that. Everything else is is the same so yeah we're we're racing standard g19s um and the idea behind it all everybody thinks that i think everybody thinks that we're just racing massive bikes and it's not true at all like the article i did with uh did with steve jones just kind of showed that all it is is i'm six foot one and i ride a large i'm not riding a double xl with a 60 mil stem mm. which i would have to do on both other brands yeah there's guys who are six foot six, six foot seven who can actually buy one of our bikes and it will fit them. Mm. Um so so yeah, we're racing standard bikes. Um three of us are on large, two of us are on medium. Um yeah, that's that's the plan. So when you say two of your large, two of your medium,
1: can you can you sort of let, let people know who the other the other three guys in the team are?
0: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. So George, George and Will, George Gannicott. Um, George, a lot of people have heard of George after he qualified yeah. 10th at Fort William this year. Um, me and George have known each other for years um, and he joined the team this year, well, last year, 2016 and, and we just loved having him on board with such good mates now. Um, so so that's great. Hopefully more out of George next year. He's working super hard this off-season so, and, you know, it's he's he's building that Fort William result was just the start of things for George he's uh he's only young he's only I think he's 21 22 so yeah he's going well Wills is staying staying with us um he's uh he had his first kind of rookie full full European World Cup season this year qualified at Fort William and he had his first BDS podium at the end of the year so so he's again another one who I'm, I'm really hoping he's gonna have a really good season he's uh I, the, all, all my guys work full-time so they're having to juggle their off-season with with full-time work so yeah. like they work so hard like they get in from work at five and they're in the gym or they're out riding in like three four five days a week and then yeah. they ride on the weekends the passion's got to be there otherwise they just they just wouldn't want to do it <laughs> so that, so it's me george and will racing the world cups and then um miles and james uh miles miles james is our newest sign in He's uh, just going up from expert to elite. Mm-hmm. I, think he, I think Miles finished fourth in, in expert this year. He had a really good season stepped it up. So he's our new sign and we got the opportunity to take um, another rider of that kind of development, you know, BDS level. Yeah. Um, so he's coming on board. He's going to be trying to chase UCI points to see if he can get himself on the World Cup ladder. And then... Young James Erster, I mean, me and Jim have been hanging out since he was 15, he's 19 now. He's uh, he's raced Junior World Cups, he raced Montanham this year, mm-hmm. and uh, he's got 14 UCI points, I think, um, and he needs the, oh, is it 40 now? They keep changing it, I think it's 40. Yeah. Yeah, let's not get started on that. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, they keep changing that, you need 40, so so again, they're both just going to race BDSs, do some European races, try and try to up their UCI point count throughout the year, and and, uh, yeah, so there's five of us. Um, yeah, so Should that's a that, that's a pretty good setup. What about, what
1: about uh, development side of things? Like, are you are you going to be maybe get involved in sort of co-sponsoring some younger writers or is that something which you, you're sort of leaving to the future?
0: Yeah, I mean, what I'm trying to really trying to do in the whole kind of well, one of the whole ideas behind One Vision was was to try and help people in the situation like I was. Mm. You know, I, I spent a lot of years on my own with my old man at the back of a van at a BDS, at a World Cup, not really knowing what was going on and trying to trying to suss things out. So, obviously, my four guys on the main team, I help them as much as I can. Um, but then I'm also trying to, I mean, obviously, there's only so much I can do, but I'm trying to pick up, trying to spot talent that isn't this kind of 13, 14, 15 year old talent that is just snapped up by the big team. Mm-hmm. And, everything's given on a plate to them and they're so lucky they, they they get these fantastic opportunities travel the world with these big teams the guys i'm trying to trying to pick up are almost not missed the boat but a little bit older either got jobs or in full-time education um and just just love racing and there's a there's a couple of guys local lad tom caffrey's tom's only only 21 i think 22 he's, he's got a five-year-old son he's you know he he, he works hard and, and he loves racing and you know, he's going to be riding my bike from this year and trying to do his first BDS year. Um, and I, I help him where I can. Um, we've got a young lad uh, taking on Will's bike, he's going to be doing some races. Um, and then um, a girl called Sarah Crellin, who won Langollen BDS at the end of last year, she came to Portugal with us in November this year uh, in 2016 and I was just blown away by how good a rider she was so um, she's going to be she's going to be riding a different bike uh, but I'm going to be kind of giving her some coaching throughout the year and just just trying to help her out really just give try and give back to the sport and uh, I know that's uh, something people say in a whim but but yeah as you said just trying to trying to help riders develop that's that, that's,
1: that sounds excellent I mean there's not, there's not many people out there that are are kind of feeding drip, drip feeding or trickle down technology almost isn't it to yeah. just giving giving something back, using the old bikes, and uh, rather than just selling them, getting them getting them into other people's hands so they can make use of them. So
0: that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah we do, we do we do what we can. I mean, I mean, I. I shouldn't make it sound like I, I give the bikes away. The, the bikes, the bikes are sold, um, but we try and sell them at a good price to these guys. It, I, I'd love to be able to give them away, but at the moment the team is just fully funded from uh, from from ourselves, the riders, and then from from sales of bikes to 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 pay our expenses and pay for all the stuff we need in the pits and things like that. But yeah. but yeah, we try and help these guys out in any way we can, and uh, so many people have helped me out over the years that I just think if I can. Uh, if I can try and help other people out as well and and that's and that's great.
1: It's a great attitude to have. So uh the loan may it continue for you. So mm-hmm. so moving on to this year's sponsors. Obviously you've you've mentioned Mojo and uh your long-term sponsor. Is O'Neill still on board? Yeah,
0: yeah. O- O'Neill, I go way back with those guys. Um I mean Nikolai will be providing all our frames. Mm-hmm. Chris and Mojo our suspension and uh and just general advice. Um o'neill for all our kit and then a, a big one for us this year is hope massive shout out to those guys they've they've come on board even stronger uh than they did this year and it's so good to have a company up the road who just made like such good stuff like oh
1: they're fantastic. We've, we've, yeah we've
0: used it all season and i've been using a different brand before and i mean it's just so reliable like our brakes, we, we we genuine we don't really bleed them throughout the year we just stay on top of the pads and and they just work, and yeah. So, so hope we've, uh, we're we're gonna start using their rims as well, and and they're they're uh, looking after us really well. And then we have got Schwalbe for tyres. I've been i with Schwalbe since two thousand and eight, nine. I, I don't even know. Um, and then we've got Cliff Bar for nutrition. Works Components provide our chain devices. They're really good. Uh, sorry, uh, MRP provide our chain devices, and then Works Components provide our headsets, um, which is good because sometimes we do make the bikes a little bit longer, a little bit shorter. We tend not to make them any slacker. (laughs) I was
1: about about to say that because I I run a minus two kit on my uh my old nine five one workhorse. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's uh it's basically I I love the works component stuff because it's just it's dead simple yeah there's no fuss you you basically hit online you buy a set of bearings eight quid they're delivered you've got a new headset you know i mean it's fantastic british
0: british company as well so it's, yeah um, i mean definitely I, mean, I
1: would i would say to anybody out there who wants to tweak their headset don't bother with Kane creek or any of that, oh, that high-end yeah. stuff that costs you nearly 200 quid go go yeah, yeah exactly go spend 75 quid or whatever it is they, it is these days on works components yeah best headsets out there and it's eight quid for the bearings to be replaced I yeah. change my birds literally every, almost every race, and, so I do yeah. about two a year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just seized from sitting. Yeah, it's
1: seized, for, seized from the <laughs> uplift days and, and a winter, to, winter <laughs> through interleaving. That's what it is. But yeah. no, that's, it's that, that sounds like an awesome package you got. I mean, the hope stuff these days. I mean, the, the basically apart from a rear derailleur, rear derailleur and a front shifter. I mean, I reckon there'll be that will be next.
0: Yeah, well, I hope so because at the moment we got we got no drivetrain. Support, so that's the only stuff that we have to right. um, chin up and and, and buy um, at so full price. So. so,
1: who's your preferred? Who do you prefer to use? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Box. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I we, we we do use Shimano, um, right, yeah. and to be, to be fair, the reason for that is because. They they do give us really good support the BDSs. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those guys do help us out a lot, and they're they're really nice. They they don't have to be as good as they are. So so fair play to them. At the World Cups, it is a different story. Like you would not believe it. You mm-hmm. can like if you're not on on their list. At Fort William it's different because the British guys are there. Yeah. But if you're not on those European guys' list, you can you can qualify tenth at a World Cup and wander over with a with a broken mech and they'll tell you to go away like they're ruthless so Uh, so yeah that doesn't go down too well
1: yeah I mean um, it's one thing I've said to people that race in the UK that if they are going to run any drivetrain, try Shimano because you get the support of the BDS
0: yeah it makes a big difference uh, same with Hope as well
1: yeah I mean I know Dave Sharp and Brody quite well so uh, yeah there you go Brody get this man sorted out with some kit and get him on
0: that list (laughs) I I think I think Dave used to run for the hills at the back (laughs) in the last season when he see me come in (laughs) Well, it's one of these things that at the end of the season, they used to
1: say, hey, do you need any cassettes? And it'd be, I'd be walking out with a pile of cassettes, you know, because they're in the line, they want rid of them, basically. Yeah, so, yeah uh, fair yeah.
0: shout have to remember
1: that last <laughs> yeah, yeah. year. Yeah, but I'm still running nine speed, that's the difference. <laughs> that <are> fair shout. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of here, nobody uses nine speed anymore, take all this stuff away from us. But uh, no, they're good lads, and uh, that's good to hear. But yeah. uh, no, so so what What are the plans? You were talking about you're maybe heading uh, to Sun Climbs Climbs the next few weeks or so?
0: Yeah, um I I try and, I mean I've got some great local trails which are which are pretty savage to be honest. Um so midweek training is uh is is all covered really a, a mix of gym work and and riding the trail bike. And then on the weekends we we get on the downhill bikes on a Sunday. But I try and break the winter up with with just going abroad. I I go out and visit the guys at ride Portugal a good few times. Um the trails over there are just just amazing. I, Brian builds everything by hand, and he's got a really good variation of like proper out and out downhill tracks and then fun jump lines. Um, so I'm going out there. I'm going out there next Thursday for a long weekend, um, and then I'm taking the whole team out on the 27th of February for a week. We'll do five days kind of prep work and riding, and then we'll go and do a UCI race um, in Faro. Um, it's just nice to break the winter up it gets a bit miserable and, and wet and cold so so yeah it's get out there and do some pre-season stuff before the first World Cup which is Lord's end of April
1: yeah so what, what about UK races when's your first planned UK race
0: uh, first planned one is Nant, Nant G uh, BDS is that, we'll is that April, April time is it yeah I think that's first weekend in okay. April yeah. well,
1: we'll no doubt see George at hopefully the SDA at A Forest is that right yep
0: I know he's going there because yeah. that weekend I'm going to race a Portuguese national right. in March and he's not coming because he's going to give Catherine a run for his money he says <laughs> call you out there George yeah. call you out All right, top All right. step boy <laughs> <laughs> Ben, ben
1: I like that he's, he's always up for a challenge although he, he seems to be one of these persons that just gets faster
0: yeah, he, do, he makes me laugh, Ben. He yeah. retires from racing and then gets quicker. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a nice guy. Yeah, he'll probably, I wonder a, if he'll ride right his
1: 29er because he seems to love that new bike he's got now.
0: That's probably because it's the only thing that will fit him. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> a boy needs a Nikolai.
1: Yeah, he'll be, he'll be vlogging all the way down anyway. So he'll be, he'll be concentrating more on his uh, on his GoPro <laughs> than he will be on his racing that weekend probably. But uh, we'll see. Shout. We'll see. I'll maybe hold you to that. I'll, I'll see you next time to see whether it, 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 it pans out George's way. But we'll...
0: That's yeah, a bit, a bit of he's, there. he's called him out, so yeah, I'll, I'll put it on your podcast so everybody knows about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so World Cups wise, full season for you guys is that the, that the plan? As in
0: absolutely, yeah. yeah. And and Wills has just uh given us the good news that he's he's going to commit to his first full World Cup season, he's going to come to Montana, so that's going to be great. Um as as I'm sure you appreciate, it's yeah. hard for people with full time jobs to just simply just get all the holiday they need. I think he's had to submit like 45 days holiday or something. Um, yeah. So his employer um, have been really understanding down at Hereford, and they've given him the holiday he needs to do his first full season. So so yeah, we're me, Wills, and George are going to do all the World Cups, um, and then if Jim and Miles get to any, then that'll be great. But yeah, um, awesome. yeah,
1: so so what with regard to World Cups, what tracks are you looking forward to the most?
0: Yeah, I mean, I hate to sound boring, but I I'll say the same as everybody else, they need to get rid of Leo gang. Um and they need to start, you know, go back to the good old days of tracks like de Sol Andorra, um Fort William, Anne, just just out and out downhill tracks like. I think next season looks pretty good to be fair. The only one that I think most people aren't looking forward to is Leo gang. Yeah. Uh, but um Valdezol is my favorite always has been, always will be. It's just from the from the gate it's just flat out and rough and and a challenge yeah i love yeah,
1: that and the venue's fantastic as well you know with yeah. the, the facilities they've got there the, the car park and the, you whatnot the coffee shop it's fantastic yeah it's but a good the, spot yeah the uh speaking of tracks i mean i think the likes of Maribel that was that was run a few years ago was uh was was quite well received amongst the riders but it it seems to be a lot of the old tracks like léger maybe maybe getting a comeback because there's talk of People trying to get another World Cup back
0: in Leger, but I don't know how keen the uh, local town are on it. I th- yeah, I think that's the problem. Mm. What I hear is it's all money, like anything. Yeah. It's whoever's willing to pay the UCI the most. And venues like Leo Gang, they'll spend the money because they see it being promotion of their resort. Yeah. Right? So, so yeah, it's, it's that's why European Champs is such a small event because nobody will pay the UCI enough money to host it. So, yeah. so yeah, it's. It's just a shame that that's the way it is. Um, is it is it pity that
1: the UCI don't cherry pick the best resorts and do it themselves? You know, I mean that that would be that would be fantastic. But I think maybe the fact that the TV coverage thing seems to be raising its head now. People want to focus it a bit more, make it a lot more professional, narrow down the field, etc., like that. Maybe they might get to the stage where they think, "Hang on a sec, this doesn't look good on TV." I mean, Leo Gang's a pedal fest. It looks like it looks like people are freewheeling down a footpath at some stages. Yeah. And you know, the, the end. look like at Val the Sol where it was just flat out action and roosting the corners mm. and things like that. I think the people that are making the T V programmes certainly must look at it and go, hang on a sec, that's boring, that's really good. That's what we want to see, you know, the good stuff. But yeah. uh, it's a it's a wee bit of politics. I'll, the the guys will maybe sort it out. I mean, I don't know. Is, is there a pro riders association these days amongst the downhillers or is there any representation at all?
0: Not, not that I'm aware of. I mean, I know the, the managers have, have a bit of a thing. Yeah. I, I know Martin Wiley's quite involved. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things that I've never really... I don't think I've I've felt like I've been around long enough or known enough about what's going on to to feel like I had a voice, really, in terms yeah. of that side of things. Maybe one day that'll change. But, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I, I don't I know who... Who would have the authority, or who would be able to kind of speak up to the UCI and to Red Bull and say, "Look, well, hang on a minute, this this isn't right"? Because um, everybody complains about it all the time, but nobody does anything about it. So.
1: Yeah, that's that's the thing that, that, that you notice from 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 being a sort of a conscientious observer on the side. It's uh, you don't really see any organisation amongst the riders. It all seems to be the teams and the and the TV companies that are seem to be pulling the weight, and uh, mm. they they seem to have the say. But anyway, that's a bit of politics. Maybe that's another discussion for another yeah. time but right. uh but there you go. So uh we've been chatting for for a wee while now, uh, Jack. Is there any any shouts you want to talk to, to give out to a few folk or anything before we <laughs> yeah,
0: finish up? I, I, yeah, I mean absolutely there's uh thanks to everybody for listening as well. Sorry if I've waffled <laughs> on too much. It's uh, it's easy, good. It's easy to talk about bikes, isn't it? It just flows yeah. off its own. So yeah, I mean a couple of sponsors I didn't name were uh were Rock Guards. they, they protect our frames and highly recommend those yep. um esp extreme sports people down at hereford are doing our, our frame wraps this year um anybody who needs their frame wrapping either just clear or with their sponsor logos on there they're a really good company to use are they are they like a like a motor company are they yeah they are and they're right. branching into mountain bike now and uh, the work they do is really good um sure. and we're, we're looking forward to working with them and getting some some good wraps done because okay. uh the frames just look so much better when they've got everything on there so yeah yeah, and then another sponsor of ours is a really exciting one is dirt factory Mm -hmm. have you heard of dirt factory yes
1: this place of indoor place of manchester
0: yeah yeah it's uh it's it's actually a really close mate of mine whose business idea it was years ago and uh they're at the stage now where they they've got all the funding they literally just need a venue and the reason i i think a lot of people are keep saying why is it not open yet it's never going to open i can enlighten people and and say that the reason it's not open is is because when dirt factory go to view a venue they have to go through a three-month planning phase and a lot of these venues get impatient Mm -hmm. so they've had a couple of venues pretty much locked down and then and then they when it gets to this the, the, the the thing of oh it's three months the other offers come in and they they rent to someone else so yeah. so that's the battle they're fighting and when that place opens it's it's going to be amazing it's going to be somewhere around manchester and it's going to be a, a massive venue indoors with like dirt jumps pump tracks like little like loops and yeah. bike shops in there so so we're involved with those guys they've supported the the program since the start and and yeah they've been awesome. great i mean have, having
1: haven't ridden at the velodrome and the indoor bmx track i mean it just shows you what is possible
0: Oh yeah it's yeah. Uh, especially in this weather it's, yeah. if there's somewhere cool to ride indoors and then i guess just a few few shout outs to just some people who, who you know my career wouldn't have been possible without really uh, my my old man has been with me since day one my dad we we started this uh, this together in 2006 and he mm-hmm. he he basically runs the side of the team that i don't want to do which is amazing he does all the uci stuff he drives the race van to and from europe for me and the lads he controls the pit space and he's just great um so a big shout out to my dad um and then there's, there's my mum and, and my missus they're, they're great they've uh, helped me out in my racing put up with my moods and all that stuff <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's like as yeah. mountain bikers when we when we fall off something. <laughs> and then there's a, three of my personal sponsors are mates of mine uh local guys mountain bikers uh, mark davies rich taylor and Eddie bennett they've they, they literally when i told them i was starting one vision they 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 stumped up a little bit of money at the start just to literally help out. Told them what it was. Told them I was trying to start a UK development team, and uh, and they were like, yeah, we want to get behind that. So so yeah, big shout out to those three. That literally without them and, and the other people I'm listing, this, this none of this would have happened. So very grateful to them. And then uh, a mate of mine, Alex Bennett, Tiki Bikes. He's he's mechanic for. For uh, for me for years, he's come to a few races with us. So big thanks to Alex. He's based in Manchester. Anybody needs their bike fixing, he's uh, he's your man. <laughs> awesome. um, ben Harrison, who owns Mango Bikes, Mango Bikes helped us out um, with some road bikes this year. And then Ben also took time out of his busy schedule to come and mechanic for us for three World Cups. Awesome. Uh, told him, yeah, told him we were down a mechanic, and he was like, yeah, I'll I'll come and help you. So so that was amazing. Um, and then last two, Mark McClaw He's a uh, member of Dirt Factory. And he just loves the program so much that he throws in some of his own money as well to help us out. So, so he's uh, he's a top guy. And then the team's actually we're going to have a physio with us all of 2017, which is going to be amazing. Um, a guy called Paul Jeffrey, he started coming with us this year, and he, he loved the banter in the pits and loved being involved. And uh, he started, he's, he's finished all his training now, and he started a company called Three Point Therapy, um, and he's going to be travelling with us to to the European World Cups and. and the BSs that you can make, so so yeah, big shout out to Paul because uh, he fixes us when we fall that's off. That's <laughs> pretty, So basically, we are going to see you covered in tape. Is that the plan? <laughs> Hopefully not, <laughs> but if necessary, yeah. 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 So that's that's my long boring list of people who've uh, who've made the whole thing possible. No, that's that, that, all of them.
1: That's brilliant. I think I think you've got a cracking up there, and I think you know, given what you've been telling me over the last few minutes, I think you've definitely got a few results coming your way this year. I just hope. I that, hope so. I'm working yeah. hard. And uh, hopefully, wish you all the best for that. But yeah, well, well, there you go. We'll we'll wrap this up now. And uh, what I'll do is I'll just say th- thanks again for joining us tonight. And I hope the listeners have enjoyed listening to you, Jack.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I hope they have as well. I hope it's uh, not been too much uh, too much waffle. <laughs> no, no, mate. It's been a pleasure. Brilliant. Thanks, mate.
1: No problem. Well, there you have it, folks. That was Jack Redding. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed uh, listening to Jack as much as I did talking to him. Such a nice guy. And if you see him at the races, make sure you say hello introduce yourself and uh, keep talking to him about those bikes well that's it for this episode Uh, we'll have the next episode online as soon as we do it so until then folks good night